Hey guys, it's Briars. Just want to tell you what's going on down at uh, Meltdown Comics in Hollywood. We got Meltthology. Meltthology is a monthly comics jam at Meltdown every third Tuesday of the month. Here's how it works. Show up at the Melt at 7 p.m. and draw a page of whatever you want. At 9.30 p.m. we'll collect all of the art and $3 for printing costs. When you come to the next month's comics jam, you'll get a zine with everyone's contributions inside. There is no set theme, and all skill levels are welcome. Last but not least, Meltthology contributors get 10% off their Meltdown purchase on the night of the event. Go to at Meltthology on Twitter or Facebook if you have any specific questions. Ask for Chuck, and that is at Melt underscore Thology. Hello and welcome back to another episode of Pod Sequentialism with Matt Kennedy. I am, of course, Matt Kennedy. And um, I've got a very special guest here today, someone that I've um, been working to get on the podcast for a while now, actually, and um, some I've known for quite a while. And it's Melody Severance. Hello. Melody Severance is the principal, I guess you can say. President, principal, whatever you want to call president it. President <laughs> of Girls Drawn Girls. Yep. Uh, Girls Drawing Girls is, as you might have guessed, an organization of female artists who specialize in drawing females, uh, pinup art, and that type of thing. And so um, in discussing a little bit about your family mm-hmm. and, the, and the lineage that you have in illustration, we'll, and we'll get to that a little bit later, um, I thought it'd be really interesting to hear like exactly when did you feel like, number one, you had an aptitude to pursue illustration and then how did that turn into like an organizational thing um i guess it probably kind of stemmed from the fact that uh i grew up just kind of as an only child with kind of like a single parent so Mm. when you come home from school and you have a lot of free time by yourself you kind of have to figure out creative ways to entertain yourself Mm -hmm. and drawing and like being a nerd in front of the TV watching movies was always a good way to keep myself entertained. So, hooray, thank you, TV. And, um, and you're a California girl. Yes. I'm uh, born and raised in Southern California. Mm-hmm. And in Los Angeles or close by? Um, Orange County. And then I moved out to Los Angeles proper in 2005 uh, when I started working on The Simpsons. Right. And so there's, I mean, you're right in the epicenter of American animation. You grew up in Orange County, home to Disneyland. Yep, pretty much. <laughs> and um, and wind up working in animation. Mm-hmm. That's right. So what were the early influences? Oh, gosh. Um, you know, it's kind of interesting because I remember as a kid, the cartoons that I would watch would definitely be the classics like, you know, old Chuck Jones, Looney Tunes. I remember mm-hmm. watching that a lot. Mm-hmm. And... Also, I really, really liked as a kid, you know, like uh, the X-Men TV show because that always seemed like, oh, adult themes. I'm like, <laughs> I'm being risque, you know? Now, or... now this is where I I, <laughs> I remember that I'm older than all of my guests. <laughs> and then I'm like, the X-Men TV show. I'm like, wait a minute, when, when was that? But actually, the, the X-Men had been on Fox first as characters in the Spider-Man Kind yeah, of, it was um, it was like it was the it was the cartoon with the opening that was like <laughs> you know what I'm talking about? X Men, definitely. Yep. And um Chuck Jones stuff, which is interesting too, because mm-hmm. 
I think Chuck Jones was the first animator whose name I knew. Yeah. Like, even as a little kid. Well, other than, like, you know, Walt Disney, you know. But... Right. I think we knew that Walt yeah. Disney wasn't actually drawing his cartoons, yeah. though. I don't know. I was oblivious. As a kid, I was just like, oh, he did everything. And <laughs> until, you know, but my grandfather also worked for Walt Disney, so, mm-hmm. which we could get to later. But, you know, when you're a kid, you see, like, this face of Walt Disney and you think, like, oh, he, he drew every single Mickey Mouse that you ever see just yeah. drawn. Or in the case of... um I don't know, like uh, The Simpsons, you think every Homer Simpson ever drawn was drawn by Matt Groening when, right. if you're a kid, you know? Yeah. So um, there's just kind of like that kid logic that you have in your head. Mm-hmm. But other than like X-Men, uh, actually The Simpsons all throughout my adolescence was a huge cartoon <laughs> that I loved. Right. Um, and also I remember watching the Batman the Animated Series. That was something that I it was brilliant. Loved it had that too. kind of amazing throwback look to the old um you know, nineteen really the nineteen forties Batmans yeah. that um the Fleischer Studios were producing. Mm-hmm. And um Max Fleischer, who'd also worked on Popeye mm-hmm. um and they're very different animation look. Yeah. But they're both brilliant, and the, and the pacing that he brought into the and he did the Supermans, I should say, not not the Batman cartoons, but the Superman cartoons, yeah. and that look stayed pretty strong. But a lot of that is because of the animator that they hired for that show. Mm-hmm. Yeah, exactly. And so the um, as a kid, you, you're finding an affinity for these things. Mm-hmm. And so, at what age do you figure? I think I want to do this. Oh, I kind of think that. Um... I've always wanted to do it. Mm-hmm. There was a period of time when Jurassic Park came out that I thought that I wanted to be an archaeologist, but who didn't? <laughs> I, I had the same with Indiana Jones in Raiders yeah. of the Lost Ark. I was like, wow, dinosaurs. And <laughs> so that lasted for a second, but then it kind of went right back to animation. So, mm-hmm. And then I think that I wanted to be a veterinarian for a little while until I realized that animals would come in and sometimes die. And then yeah. I realized that I would have a nervous breakdown every single day of my life if I did that. So Yeah, that'd be a major bummer. <laughs> so it's just kind of gone right back to animation. But I think as a kid... Um, you know, some of the cartoons like X-Men or Batman, the animated series that kind of taught me about drama or creating, you know, an artistic dynamic moment. But I think things like, you know, Looney Tunes and even like animation and like from Terry Gilliam Mm -hmm. in Monty Python, Monty Python in general, that sort of stuff kind of taught me humor. And the Simpsons, of course, taught me humor. Terry Gilliam came here on my birthday. Oh, no way. And I've known him for a really, really long time. Oh, that's not not super, super close, but we yeah. know each other. And um and he came in and he told me that it w- this was his one of his favorite places in the world and I was doing a great job and I was like, I don't need anything else this year. I don't need any presents. <laughs> no kidding. <laughs> Terry Gilliam's awesome. Yeah. I just recently saw him at um the Alex Theater. Yeah, he gave he gave yeah. a talk that night. Yeah, that yeah. Was, that was amazing. Yeah, the um and we, when I was in entertainment, we, we had a couple of projects we were kicking around for a little while mm-hmm. um, with one of his major producers. And he had had a couple of not very successful films in a row. Yeah. And it was, there was a lot of discussion of like, well, why don't we do like an animated film? Mm-hmm. Like, all you need is a piece of paper, you know, yeah. Terry, and, and you, you're a king. Totally. You can do whatever you want. Could you imagine and that? It almost <laughs> happened. It came really close to happening. And then yeah. I think he got funding again for um what became Heath Ledger's last movie. Oh yeah, that that was uh, the Brothers Grimm. Yeah. Yeah. 
and um and then they he went he obviously had a larger budget to work with and was excited about the project and um it, it didn't it wasn't financially successful but um you know with, with a guy like terry gilliam and looking back at his work in comic books and in magazines mm -hmm. and bringing this kind of dada-esque um taste to the table into the zeitgeist yeah. it's amazing that this american guy mm -hmm. finds you know these englishmen and changes the rest of entertainment history with monty python yeah. but um and we could probably talk about that for an entire show oh my god but, i could talk about monty python forever <laughs> let's not even i don't even know if we should go there yeah we won't do we <laughs> won't do know. the imitations yeah. my, my, my high school friends will <laughs> want to kill me yeah but um so you're getting a lot of inspiration from a lot of different places yeah and i gotta imagine at even though one of the most famous animators, and at least nowadays, mm -hmm. to people who are interested in animation and fine arts, Mary Blair. Oh, yeah, of course. And, of course, she's more of a production yeah. designer than an actual animator. She mm -hmm. she painted backgrounds and she, she did the line look to productions. Yeah. But um, in the early 2000s, mm -hmm. and when you're starting to, to get involved in animation, it wasn't exactly a woman's world. Absolutely. And... The thing is, too, when you say who are my influences as a kid, mm -hmm. there's you, I might like Mary Blair's artwork, but I don't know her name. Right. You know what I mean? Yeah. Because as a kid, you just kind of know who some of these household names are, and most of them are predominantly male. Yeah. And um, things are changing. Yeah. They are. I know uh, even through Girls Drawing Girls, my organization, I know a tremendous amount of extremely talented women um but still i want to be able to help kind of make more household names in this industry that are women right you know yeah absolutely there's such a great pool that we have from right now i know a lot of animators and a lot of the artists that we show I mean, one thing that i've always prided myself on and, and mm -hmm. at least since i've um been the director at Lelouz, is that we we show more female artists than male artists. That's awesome. There's a higher, much higher. It's, it's I yeah. think it's something like it's probably seventy percent women. And, awesome. Um, and I I think it's because two things that mm -hmm. the we get a lot of artists from industry and we get a lot of artists from art school. Yeah. And the populations at art school are very heavily skewing female. Yeah, I've I've noticed that too. Just from people who. Uh, are submitting to join uh, Girls Drawing Girls, mm -hmm. I feel like I've noticed, you know, a surge of applicants lately. And it might be like you were saying that a lot of uh, a lot of young people getting into art mm -hmm. school or animation, they are women, yep. which is pretty exciting. Yep. The other thing that, that we've noticed too is that we we also, we, we don't have a really like, there's not a large Caucasian only feel you know i mean granted the name of this gallery is it's i think a Spanish it's called word. america yeah you know and, and the demographic is changing overall i yeah. think but especially you know that that um that in art school as well that that the demographic is changing completely yeah and so um we show a lot of asian artists we show mm -hmm. um we still show latinos mm -hmm. and um i've noticed that there's a more welcoming of culture yeah. and more of a welcoming of personal um, story making it into animation that may still be written by guys, yeah. may still be written by white guys in Burbank, mm -hmm. but that the influence of the people that are working with them mm -hmm. are making it into the stories. And I thought that that was 
most evident probably on The Simpsons. Yeah. No, um, I mean, I worked on The Simpsons for um, uh, six years, six or seven years. Mm -hmm. And I have to say, like, there's a quite a bit of diversity on that show. It's yeah. it's kind of also, uh, it's like every every walk of life is basically represented in that show, for better or worse. It's mm -hmm. kind of like South Park, one of my favorite shows, you know, pretty much ever. Mm -hmm. It's like you might, they might have jokes about a certain walk of life, but they make fun of everybody. Right. And it's not in like a mean-spirited kind of way, really. Right, it, right. It's more of like a, hey, we're all human beings. We're all in this thing together. And let's just have a laugh, you know? <laughs> certainly, certainly. Yeah. And I mean, I, I think for a, a long time, and remember that the Simpsons, Simpsons were were hitting television in the late 80s. Mm -hmm. I mean, as their own show, and obviously in, in the mid to late 80s as a backup on um, the Tracy Ullman show. Yeah, Tracy Ullman. And um, that for a long time, the characters of certain ethnicities, mm -hmm. of um, various um, sexual identity, you were only seeing them in animated shows. Yeah. And in prime time and on Fox. Yeah. I mean, like three things that should surprise us, yeah. right? You know, that it's that it's it's only an animated show, that it mm -hmm. and that it's an animated show that's on Fox, which is um, considered to be a really right wing network. But um that it doesn't change, I think, until people understand the impact that that show has. And so then you in the in the probably late 90s or early 2000s you start getting shows that are a little bit more diverse than, yeah that are live action now um we're gonna take a quick little break here to hear from um from a sponsor of the program and um wanted to remind people that uh, you too can reach this core demographic so uh contact us um you know via meltdown um for ad rates and that type of thing but um, we'll be right back in just a few moments with our guest, Melody Severns, and we're going to talk a little bit more about Girls Drawing Girls right after this. Melt You, the school at Meltdown where they teach you the skills to make comic books. Some of the current classes include creating comics, drawing comics for kids, and the art of inking. Coming soon, there will be classes for short film writing, drawing basics, and kids make zines. Go to meltcomics.com and enroll now. Hello and welcome back to Pod Sequentialism. I am your host, Matt Kennedy. My guest today is Melody Severns of Girls Drawing Girls. And um, we're talking about the, the impact of animation on, um, on her specifically and talking about how there seems to be a lot more women working in the trade and how that's becoming a more exciting uh, talent pool. And so um, talk to me about how you first set up Girls Drawing Girls. Um, well, I started it back in 2006 with, um, a good friend of mine, Ann Walker. Um, she's a board artist currently working on BoJack Horseman right mm -hmm. now. Um, very, very talented, but, uh, she and I went to college together mm -hmm. and, uh, we were just hanging out and very LA of us. We would do a yoga class together and then get coffee afterwards. Where'd you go to school? Uh, Laguna College of Art and Design. Right on. Yeah. Like I said, California. That's where <laughs> that's where I've been. <laughs> Never left the border of the state. Not true. Not true. Yeah, I have. I've ventured out, but <laughs> this is where I, the only place I've lived. Um, but she and I were having coffee, and we we're just saying, you know, we know a lot of really talented, awesome women artists, and we we're saying we should 
get together some sort of collective for a book or something like that. We're mm. like, yeah, you know, it'd be really cool is if we did pinup art because it would just be, you know, finally kind of from a woman's pers- per- perspective and we could celebrate just mm-hmm. the female form in our own way. And mm-hmm. she's like, yeah, that's cool. Who do you know? And I'm like, I know these people. And she said, I know these people. So there was only 18 of us. Mm-hmm. And I told these people like, hey, we're going to make a book. And this was one of the first times in my life where I'm like, I said that I was going to do something to people. So now I have to actually do it. Yeah, you know, through. I have Big to follow thing. through. Oh my God, how terrifying. Yeah. So making that book was one of like the most terrifying things that I um, set out to do at that time. Because mm-hmm. I'm like, I've never made a book before. How the hell am I going to do this, basically? So this is after college. This was after college, yes. So how old were you? Oh God, I was, uh, how old was I? I was like 23. 23. Yeah. And now embarking on setting up an organization for women. Yeah. And publishing a book. Mm-hmm. And I and I was so naive at that point. I had no idea what that would entail and what setting up an LLC would, would mean or, mm-hmm. you know, being a business owner or any of this stuff or even getting a booth at Comic-Con in San Diego. I had no idea what any of this stuff would be like. Right. So... All that I knew was that I told people that I was going to make a book and I better damn well do that. Right. <laughs> so um, we we managed to do the book and we did the booth at Comic-Con. And to my surprise, the 18 members that we had at the beginning in uh, 2006 uh, snowballed. And now we have about 200 members internationally. Wow. And we do have an open call for new members right now. And submissions are pouring in. So the number could get as high as like 250 and that's girls drawing girls.com yes girls drawing girls.com the g at the end of drawing is dropped so yep. it just kind of yeah girls. it just kind of blends in together so but either one will will take you to the site right so um yeah it's 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 insane so it started off with naive 23 year old me and mm-hmm. my friend who was also like 23 at the time um trying to make a book and we did going to Comic-Con, and then just getting more and more interest from there. And before I know it, we have an organization where there's members from all over the globe. We have members in France. We have members from Australia, from the UK, from, you know, uh, South America, everywhere. We have um, a member who is from Egypt, Mm -hmm. and she was saying that, you know, doing any sort of art like like you know, pinup art or any sort of thing where you could express, you know, your appreciation of your own female body was so taboo. But sedition. Yeah. Yeah. But but being able to do this for herself was just something that was just like so liberating for her. That's amazing. And I just I couldn't believe that what started off as that turned into something like this. So now I'm just like, damn, I better represent everybody well, you know? <laughs> now the um when setting up an organization like this, and like mm-hmm. you said, you, you touched on a little bit. I mean, there's there's a lot more involved oh, yeah. than what, what there seems to be. Yeah. And so you do have to set up an LLC. And now mm-hmm. you're filing two sets of taxes. Oh, yeah. Which is coming up soon, by the way. So, yay. Yeah. Tax yeah. appointment next week. I got to do my taxes this week. Yay. And January 31st for business, right? Um, are you filing quarterly or are you filing regular? No, I file regular, but yeah. Get it done early. <laughs> Welcome to Tax Talk. Right, right. <laughs> and so now, um, was it the first year or the second year you guys did a calendar as well? Oh, gosh. Uh, I don't remember what year that was. I think it might have been like the third or fourth year that or we did. Fourth year. Yeah. So you had two books. 
we've yeah well we have at about that point. yeah at that point in the second year we had two books mm-hmm. so i was like hey i did one year number two let's do another one yeah so we did we did another one with the help of acme archives mm-hmm. who has been a great help for us uh they're out in uh burbank and they do a lot of awesome prints for um like star wars and uh fox and they're really really cool and great to work with i'm sure the star wars collectors are very familiar with acme oh yeah yeah (laughs) so they helped us out with that and um i think well now we have four volumes of girls drawing girls collective books Mm -hmm. it's been a while since i've done another volume so Mm -hmm. i guess that shows like what getting older is like when you're like 23 and 24 you're like i'll do another book back to back and yeah. now i'm like 32 and i'm like oh god well there's also <laughs> you know that even if you even if you have a successful book and yeah I, I think you guys have done pretty well yeah but there's still storage oh yeah there's still like a lot of exactly. boxes of books that are oh, gonna yeah. fill up an apartment really i'm glad quickly. you brought that up yeah because <laughs> sometimes um i run out of closet space and yeah it, it's not the sexiest thing if you're trying to be a single woman out of the, out on the town and you're like, hey, fellas, want to come over here and see my boxes of merch over in the corner? Yeah. I also have two cats. How about it? Yeah. <laughs> and I, I, too, have a closet full of self-published books. But yeah. um, and we've we've had a lot of people on, on the podcast come mm-hmm. on and talk about um, about self-publishing. And I think we've probably talked about just about every model that you can have and um, going to doing the conventions mm-hmm. and getting the distribution. But um, I think what makes your organization special is that because you've got so many members, it, it really is an event if you guys do a convention. Yeah. I mean, there's going to be a different group than who you oh, saw yeah. at the last show, mm-hmm. depending upon what city you're in. Mm-hmm. Um, and with the number of members that you have, you've got a full army to be at a table, which most importantly means bathroom breaks are easy. Oh, that is such... Yes, that that's the best because I can't imagine just sitting at the at Comic-Con, especially in San Diego, just by mm. yourself without having someone to give you a bathroom break. And there's tons of people that do. And I mean, yeah. a, lo- a lot of people and I'm sure that some of the girls that are in Girls Strong Girls also have their own tables. Yeah, some of them do. Some of them um, do double duty where they'll, they'll do like an hour at the Girls Drawing Girls booth and get a friend to man their booth and then they'll go back to their booth. So yeah. what's good about this organization, too, is it's not just artists who are submitting artwork to me i really do kind of feel like there's a sisterhood in the group too where they know that this group could only be successful if everybody has a positive attitude about it and if they want to be you know helpful to the group as a whole Mm -hmm. because i mean i run this organization primarily by myself which means like i do all the accounting i do all the books i do I manage all the merchandise. I ship out all the merchandise myself. Mm. I I do everything aside from, you know, help that I get from, we have a webmaster, Laura, who, um, she work she lives out in New York city. So thank God for her. Mm -hmm. And, um, Kate Ferguson who runs our Etsy shop and she runs our, um, our blog. Mm -hmm. Uh, she actually lives in Australia. Mm -hmm. So, wow. Yeah. So, uh, so I get, and I've had so many great, you know, members who step up and they help out. Mm-hmm. And if we need something, they say, you know, I could lend a hand. I could do this. I could, I could let you borrow a table for this convention. And I feel like this organization is great because there is such 
this amount of helping each other out. The you, sisterhood of the traveling pencil. <laughs> yes. Yes. Oh, but it's cool though. You could get someone who lives in Australia giving art tips on how to watercolor to someone who lives in like Colombia or something. Right. And we do it all through this organization. And yeah. I had no idea that it was going to be like this, but now it has turned into this kind of like international support group for for women in art. But also kind of like a PR firm. Yeah. Because you're profiling the artists who are in the organization. Mm -hmm. In a lot of cases, this may be the first foray for um, an artist into any type of gallery situation or publication yeah. um, scenario. And so you have this amazing opportunity to introduce the world mm -hmm. to people that have signed up for your organization that, that participate. And when they do show up and they do participate, and it seems like a lot of the girls do, that there's not a lot of people sitting on the fence about it, that you yeah. can always call on someone and be like, hey, you know, um, we need you to work at this convention, yeah. you know, next week. Can you do it? And, and they're not going to say no. Yeah. And, um, and by having that type of community, that sense of community, and that – in inherently effective i guess how do i how do i phrase this correctly mm -hmm. um enthusiasm yeah you know that when people are part of something that they feel really good about and mm -hmm. that they know is doing you know real good i mean you've got an artist in egypt yeah you're giving an outlet to produce work that you would never able never be able to produce in our own country. Yeah. And have a voice for it. And then also have, you know, not just the the attention that it would get if she wants that type of attention, but that it's empowering. Yeah, it is. And I've heard people, you know, at conventions or or, sh or shows sometimes come up to me with a contrary, just trying, I guess maybe just for devil's advocate or, uh, argument sake saying uh what i'm doing is objectifying women but it's absolutely the, the opposite of that from, from <laughs> yeah people. it's it's kind of amazing and yeah you know I'm, I'm not the best guy to to charge against that argument um yeah but you know i also feel like hey you know um exploitation is exploiting somebody else yeah and benefiting from it mm-hmm and I don't see a lot of that happening. Yeah, you know, I, with what you do, I think that it, it's a, a not only is it a straw man argument that that um, that the organization is is exploitation, but that it is the exact opposite. Yeah, I mean, we are giving women uh, opportunity to to describe what they think is femininity and what they think is sexy in their own point of view. Mm -hmm. You know, I as a woman, I don't think that there's anything wrong with um, liking your sexuality right there's nothing wrong with that at all if you want to be sexy go for it if exactly. you want to be more covered up go for it and you've also challenged what i think would be to some the conventional notion of girl yeah i mean there's trans girls in the organization mm -hmm. and there's people that bring a completely different idea like you just said yeah. about well what's what's feminine to me what what means what does girls, drawing girls, mean to me? Yeah. And they're able to use that outlet. And sometimes it's going to be sexy and sometimes it's going to be sporty and sometimes yeah. it's going to be something completely other. There, We actually have had um, a piece that is in the um, second uh, book um, that was, that someone, a, a piece that, pe that someone painted, which I almost said penis, um, but it did have a penis on it, mm -hmm. um, male genitalia on a woman. Mm -hmm. And some people were really upset about that. And they're like, oh, we can't. 
have this in there. It's girls drawing girls. This is, you know, this shouldn't be in the book. And I, I said, no, I'm going to allow this piece in here. I'm like, this is someone's interpretation of what is a woman. And I'm not going to censor that. Right. Art shouldn't be about let's censor something. And what you know? year was this? This was, uh, gosh, this was uh, 2007 so this or is, 2008. Yeah. I mean, yeah. this is quite a ways before, you know, TV shows yeah. like Orange is the New Black mm-hmm. or um, Transparent were on. And yeah. so this is uh, kind of a really important um, case history. Yeah. And I remember that. I remember a bit of the controversy about that. Yeah. You know, and people talking about it. And now and I was like, well, who drew it? Mm-hmm. And um and knowing the artist's intention with the piece, I I applauded it. Yeah. I mean, if you th- if you look at it now, especially before, like you said, it's become more of a subject that we bring to the forefront. It was an actually a very, very brave piece to do. Yeah. Um the artist I'll give her credit, um, uh, Nan- Nancy Lay, she mm-hmm. is still a really uh good awesome painter if anybody wants to look her up um but she did this wonderful beautiful piece and i thought by no means am i going to censor this this is this is what art is supposed to be it's supposed to make people think and you're talking about a pre-caitlin jenner society absolutely yeah it had much it had a lot of impact and definitely it got it got positive attention and it got some criticism and obviously Mm -hmm. you know history is has sided yeah (laughs) with her piece yeah and you know the the amazing part of all of this really is that i guess the the most amazing part about all this is that it was necessary yeah you know that um that there it was necessary for there to be a girls drawing girls organization that that it's it was so niche at the time that you Mm -hmm. set it up that um, for there to be an organization for, for women artists even, yeah. but more specifically for women artists who are working in a kind of more commercial space. Mm-hmm. So what percentage, how do you think the demographic breaks up? So in, in G, GDG, what percentage of, of the artists come from an animation background? How many come from a fine art background? Um, I would say a good portion come from some sort of entertainment art, mm-hmm. whether it be animation, comics, video games, film, what have you. I would say about probably 60% come mm-hmm. from that. Maybe higher. Right. And um the rest are you you get we get various artists from tattoo artists to mm-hmm. fine artists to um I've never actually been um a professional artist in any way before, but I've always wanted to mm-hmm. and you look at this person's art and you're like, you're freaking killing it. Like, yeah. why aren't you a professional artist? So right. you you get people from just all walks of life. But especially with me being localized in Los Angeles, I do get a lot of um, animation and just basically film artists in general. Yeah. So there is a good portion of that in the, in, in the group. And as it would seem fitting, it's very similar to the demographic that we had when we when, when this gallery started yeah when when billy shire started the gallery in 1986 the first wave of artists that he was bringing were mainly um artists who were already fine artists who didn't have galleries that were that were representing that type of work mm-hmm. or folk art and um and that type of thing and by the early 90s it was animators mm-hmm. tattoo artists yep. um commercial illustrators you know, yeah and uh-huh. 
as we sit in his office, uh, which is filled with um, paintings from shows past. Oh my I gosh, mean, this office is so cool. It's, it's, <laughs> it's, it's not a good place for uh, anybody who has uh, attention deficit disorder. Oh my gosh, you'd be in heaven though. Like everywhere yeah. you look is something pretty damn cool, I must there. say. It, it's a good place to be a fly on the wall. <laughs> yeah, but um, it makes sense though that that the that these numbers mesh, that they're the yeah. same, and, mm-hmm. and it seems like that it should be. And you know, this is an LA gallery, and you are an LA organization that is international. Yeah. And so I think, um, what do you guys have planned next? Well, um, we have a couple of things. Um, I want to continue to build on the relationship that we have. Um, with uh, the art scene out in Paris because mm-hmm. we, we did a show back in uh, 2013 mm-hmm. and the reception out there was really was was really well received so I would like to continue building on that and um, tell tell everybody about that I mean oh, because yeah. it's, it's a whole different experience yeah you know openings in Los Angeles mm-hmm. and LA is is a huge art city and and there's a lot to do and you go to a gallery opening and there's going to be people that it may be packed and there may be you know some free beer and, yeah and people um, interact but at Aludic, yeah, which is where your mm-hmm. the opening was. Uh, tell everybody about that because it's kind of a, a very interesting. Uh, oh yeah, uh, we did a show at uh, Gallery Aludic in uh, Paris, France, back in 2013, and you know the the reception there was just kind of so much different than doing shows out in LA. I feel like in LA people are like, oh, this is Hollywood. We see. There's a, a bunch cool of for school we aspect. see a bunch of talent all the time. Yeah, you know? a little bit of being spoiled and a little bit of being too cool for school. We're, I, I'll say that we're lucky because yeah. we we're lucky living here. We get to see a lot of really cool shit living yeah. here. Yeah. Um, I mean Paris, you get to see a lot of really cool shit there too. It's it's freaking Paris. Yeah. But um, there was this just the reception of um, of you know, people were waiting in line for us to sign books. The place was jam-packed there are photographers taking our photos everybody was clamoring around you know wanting us to do sketches everybody was super stoked there was people from local radio shows wanting me wanting to interview me saying things to me in french that i didn't understand (laughs) but i'm taking lessons now so i'm trying to understand more um but the reception there like i thought wow they really like girls who draw girls out here the reception was was really phenomenal it's like a touring band. Yeah. Uh-huh. Yeah. So uh, it, it was It was one of those experiences that I won't forget because mm. it was just, um, I, I, have, I have a friend that was in the show as well with me and she was sitting next to me at the table when we were signing books and while there was a huge line with, you know, a bunch of photographers snapping flashes and photos of us, I think she just leaned in toward me and said, what's going on right now? Yeah. Because, you know, we were just not, not used, used to, to that. It. Yeah. yeah. It's, so. it's a, an alien experience. The um, the interesting thing, too, and I think that people who are familiar with American conventions even, and this is this is clearly an, an, an art gallery opening in a foreign country. Yes. Um, and where they do not speak um, English, or at least they don't have to. A lot of people do. Yeah. Um, that it's a whole different experience. And the convention scene there is such that um, if you go to a comic convention in mm-hmm. in Europe, really, almost anywhere in yeah. Europe, there's an expectation that 
people can get in line and if they get in line, they're getting a full sketch. Mm-hmm. You know, it's not yeah, a real quick sketch. Exactly. It's not just the name. They're getting a little bit something extra for it. And I know that some comic artists from the States have um, gotten kind of bummed out about that because they, yeah. they tend to charge for, for sketches at shows. And in, you know, in Europe, it's considered just part of the package that, yep. you know, it's part of the appreciation. But the other argument will be that European comic artists get paid a lot oh, yeah. more than American comic artists. Yeah. Uh, and there's definitely, I think, um, a big kind of love for the art form there. Yeah. Like, they, they really consider, you know, animators and people who do art for film, they consider them fine artists. Yeah. You know? The most expensive piece of comic book art that's ever sold at auction yeah. is the cover to a um, Tintin book oh yeah that's right and it was over a million dollars which um and it it still holds holds the record Mm -hmm. um some people don't consider it um comic book art but it is um sequential art absolutely yeah and um and this was years ago this was like not recently yeah the appreciation of bandesine or fumetti in italy um comics in the united states has always been higher in europe than in the United States until comic art started to turn that corner where pieces were going for hundreds of thousands of dollars. And that is as, is as a direct result of the auction prices of European comic art. So the um, I can see why you'd be in a rush to get back to, to Paris, France, <laughs> yes, aside yes. from that it's Paris and Paris is awesome. I think anybody who's like a female has a love for, <laughs> for Paris in some sort of way. Yeah. But, um, but yeah, other than just wanting to get back to Paris because I love Paris, um, uh, we just had such a great time and had such a great reception there that I want to work with them again. Yeah. But, um, also I'm, we're going to, uh, uh, we want to continue with our relationship that we have with, um, the Chuck Jones Center for Creativity. We've done, um, two shows with them during Comic-Con, during San Diego Mm Comic-Con, uh, the past two years. Um, because they have a gallery out in the Gaslamp District, the mm-hmm. yep. um, Chuck Jones Gallery. So, um, so with the um, consent of his daughter Linda Jones and um, his grandson, we were able to do uh, two shows with them the past two cons, and they were very successful with the turnout of people. And they really are just awesome, awesome people, just like the people at Arlo Deek, awesome people. Um, and I was just so honored to be able to, um, just kind of be a part of working with Chuck Jones's family, you mm-hmm. know? So, um, we would love to continue working with them. Um, we're also going to have a panel at Eagle Con in May. So is that in Philadelphia? No, that's actually, <laughs> that's a good, <laughs> it might, it sounds like it should be, but, um, no, it's here in LA. Mm-hmm. Um, so that's going to be in May mm-hmm. that we will have a panel there. Um, of course, we're going to do San Diego Comic-Con again. Yep. Um, we did New York Comic-Con last October, so we're probably going to do that again as well. Mm-hmm. So um, just a bunch of fun stuff and gallery shows here and there. 
So we're just going to keep on keeping on. And there will be a contingency of um, Girls Drawn Girls members in the Lovelooza Palooza show that we do in March. Yay! Um, I I reached out and asked (laughs) you to to forward the the open call out to some of the members, and Mm -hmm. we did get quite a few people. Oh, that's great. And and it's good work. Yay! So there will definitely be be some of the um, Girls Drawn Girls crowd in in Lovelooza Palooza. Way to go, Girls Drawn Girls. (laughs) (laughs) You mentioned that... um, that your grandfather was an animator and that he worked for Disney. Mm-hmm. Now, um, did that skip a generation? Did, did your parents get involved at all in um, in film production or comic art or any of that? You know, my um, this is on my dad's side. My mom doesn't draw at all. Mm-hmm. <laughs> my mom couldn't couldn't draw a straight line. But my mom is also amazingly good at crafts Mm -hmm. like i don't have that craft thing but my mom does Mm -hmm. you know my mom could my mom could make you a blanket like crazy (laughs) you want a blanket my mom's the woman but um my my dad is artistic and um, my aunt on my dad's side as well Mm -hmm. they both of them um are talented but they just never pursued it professionally right so I'm the um I'm the only one other than my my grandfather that um pursued it professionally. I also have, you know, uh cousins who are also artistic on my um dad's side as well. There's a lot of like good creativity on my dad's side. Mm-hmm. My my grandmother on my dad's side used to tell me stories all the time when I was growing up just off the top of her head. Mm-hmm. This was the wife of my grandfather who right. worked at Disney. So, there's a lot of awesome creativity. I'm just the one who was fool enough to try to make a career out of it. <laughs> and what was his name? Um, Al Severns. And so he he worked on he worked on quite a, quite a few projects, but of course in those days, um, not everybody got credited. Yes, that it was a very short list, especially in animation, to um, credit everybody connected to the production. Um, and if you go back and look at some of your favorite films, classic films, you can look at films. You know, whether it's Universal's Frankenstein or Dracula, those credits are like two sheets of just stills held over a scene at the end of the film Mm -hmm. for 10 seconds each, and then it's done. And then it says the end. Although there's a bunch of people who actually worked on it. (laughs) Hundreds, if not thousands. Yeah. (laughs) And so in animation, even more so, that there were even more people working on productions um, and generally at lower wages than people who are working in, in um, live action film production. But the, um, he did get his name onto a couple of um, well-regarded award-winning or at least award-nominated shorts. Yeah. Um, from, what, uh, from what my family has told me, he did a lot of artwork on... Uh, there's a cartoon, I believe it's from Mary Melodies, called Johnny Fedora and Alice Blue Bonnet. Mm-hmm. I don't know who out there has seen it, but it's about two hats that fall in love in a department store. And there's this entire song that goes through it. It's very lovely. One of them gets bought and they're separated Mm -hmm. and they're depressed about it. And at the very end, you find out that um, uh, both of them have been used as as hats that this ice man has put on his two horses who carries his carriage. So they end up back together again on the hat on the heads of two as horses. elderly hats. As, yep, as elderly as hats. Elderly hats. That's sweet. Isn't that sweet? It is good. <laughs> so um, that was what he got screen credit on. But he worked on a lot of movies like Bambi, um, Lady and the Tramp. Uh, he worked on Cinderella. He did a lot of special effects on Cinderella of where the pumpkin bounces up and down during Bibbidi Bobbidi Boo and mm-hmm. turns into the carriage. Mm-hmm. 
So he Which winds up in every single um, right? compilation. I wish I had some royalty checks for that because of my last yeah. name. Yeah. <laughs> that whenever you see um Disney scenes that are played yeah. back and they, they show a succession of scenes from the films, that scene is pivotal. That's always yeah. in it. And um well that's interesting, you know, and and you came across some of his his art. Yeah, know, I came like across some um at my aunt's house years ago. Mm-hmm. She had some old um artwork of his um in a peachy folder and I, I saw some original Bambi artwork that he just kind of took home of of uh, Bambi and his father running away from the forest fire. Mm-hmm. So I saw that and I was like, oh, my God, I got to take this and, you know, put them in a safe place. So I kind of took them from my aunt. But sorry. <laughs> but um, but she also had really other awesome artwork as well that he had of just animators just making fun of each other and doing um like illustrations and caricatures of each other it was hilarious because uh, my grandfather was bald so there would be so many caricatures of him with um, other animators making fun of his bald head or something Mm -hmm. that they would just kind of toss under his door to his office or something to make fun of him and apparently walt disney encouraged this he thought that it just kind of Help camaraderie get, yeah camaraderie yeah. got the creative juices flowing so yeah. yeah and you hear stories about that too at a lot of the um you know the the comic art dens if you will the um because they weren't really fully studios yet at that point in time but you hear about it um whether it's jack kirby working with um you know um, michelle severin and and um and with um um you know a lot of the other artists of that day that there's this frequent um putting of friends into comic book panels yeah mm-hmm. and um and probably a lot more of leaving drawings on people's benches yeah on their on their drawing boards and, and if you look at some of the the books that specialize in a single artist you'll often see some of these you know pictures from back in the day mm-hmm. and, um, i know that um in researching as extensively as i have uh, Jerry Robinson and um, and his work uh, creating the Joker and and Robin, uh, not credited with the Joker yet, but we're working on that. <laughs> um, you know that his Wally Wood and Tatiana mm-hmm. Wood were the best man and maid of honor at his wedding. That's um, awesome. That a lot of these guys hung out together, yeah. and you know they would often just kind of poke fun at each other that way. And then when you start seeing them go into the syndicated strips, yeah, it happens a lot. Oh, like yeah. There's a lot of characters. So mm-hmm. it's, you know, it's funny, you know, you, you mentioned, um, you know, before we, we started taping that um, that the fedora mm. oh, yeah, in that right. cartoon uh-huh. was his fedora yeah. because he was shy about going bald. He constantly yeah, wore a hat, exactly. which actually probably caused him to go balder. Uh-huh, exactly. Which also probably caused the making fun of his bald head to happen more frequently. Right, right. <laughs> From and, the animators. And yeah. maybe spawned an Oscar nomination, you know, yeah. so that's that can be good news. Well, hey, I want to thank you for coming out and um and appearing on the, on the podcast and you know where you're doing great work with Girls Drawing Girls. Thank you so much. You know, it's it, there should be more organizations I think that um focus on specialties within core demographics to help push everybody forward. Mm-hmm. And of course, we look forward to the day when that's not um necessary. Yeah. Where it's just, you know, um, everybody doing what they do. Oh yeah, and believe me, we don't have any sort of of, of hate towards the men. Right, like, right. Some of my greatest mentors that I've had in the industry have been wonderfully amazing men. Mm-hmm. So 
We have nothing but love for the men as well. It's just, you know, it's time for the girls to start making some household names out there in the industry. Yep. So we're helping them out. And there's quite a few already. So, That's um, right. you know, keep keep your eye out. Again, it's girlsdrawngirls.com. Um, I want to thank my guest, uh, Melody Severns. And um, I have been Matt Kennedy. And we hope to have you all back again next week. Thank you so much. <laughs>